Welcome to episode 165 of this special lockdown edition of our podcast. I'm Stuart McCullough, I'm the CEO of VHAA, and joining me today is Senior Workplace Relations Consultant, Emma Scott. Welcome, Emma. Thanks, Stuart. With this, uh, with the tyranny of distance, we've got to do things a little bit differently. And I've got to admit, uh, this week's subject was very, very difficult to translate into a clue. Uh, but I'll go to the first clue and, and see if it assists. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, not not quite sure. Well, that's that's Peebo Bryson. Uh, he's a soul singer, perhaps best known for uh, singing the song a "Whole New World" from the musical Aladdin. But we haven't chosen that because Disney are, are quite litigious. Um, but I also found this clip, which I think is perhaps more directly on point. So Emma, whilst that musical clue is personally confronting for me, um, I wonder if you are able to identify the subject for this week's discussion. Well, I think it actually might be one I can actually guess. I'm not usually good at this, but it seems like it's something to do with PARBOs. So indeed, we are today talking about PARBOs. PARBO is an acronym for a protected action ballot order. Uh, PARBO, coincidentally or, or not, is also the Korean word for idiot. So when we're talking about a PARBO, we're really talking about the pathway to protected industrial action. We are. So the Fair Work Act prohibits the taking of industrial action in most circumstances. Uh, it does support the taking of industrial action in limited circumstances where that action is supported by the employees. And what does the PARBO actually do? So it's a ballot of employees that identifies whether there is majority support for specific types of industrial action. It's usually conducted by the Australian Electoral Commission and it's a step towards taking, as we were saying before, protected industrial action. So that's um, made by a union. When can it actually be made? Uh, well, it can be made by either an employer or, or a union, but most commonly, I guess, uh, by, by a union. Uh, an application um, really has two components to it uh, in terms of, of when it can be made. One of those components concerns time and the other concerns the circumstance. So starting with time. So industrial action can't be engaged in or organised before the nominal expiry date of an agreement. Uh, so it's possible that someone might receive a PARBO application just before the nominal expiry date, but because the action itself can't be organised or occur before that uh, before the agreement expires, it's unlikely that an application will arrive much before an expiry date, more commonly afterwards. So what about the circumstance? Well, the circumstance is that the applicant must have been genuinely trying to reach an agreement with the employer. So if, for example, a par bar was made early in negotiations or even before negotiations had begun, it might be argued that that requirement had not been satisfied. Mm -hmm. So if a union uh, wants to make an application for a parbo, what, um, what actually occurs? Uh, firstly, if a union makes an application to the Fair Work Commission for a parbo, they're required to give a copy of the application to the employer's 
who are to be balloted within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So after an application is made, what actually happens next? So the PARPO application has to be determined by the Fair Work Commission within two days of it being made. So when an employer receives the application, really it's time of the time is of the essence? Things are going to happen very quickly at that point, and it will be necessary to make some really quick decisions about the application, which we'll come to in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does the PARPO application specify or need to specify? Three things, essentially. Uh, the group or groups of employees who are to be balloted, uh, the question or questions to be put to the employees who are going to be balloted, including the nature of the proposed industrial action. And thirdly, if the applicant wants a person other than the Australian Electoral Commission to be the protected ballot agent, the name of that person. So how does the Commission determine a PARBO application? This is a really critical question. Section 443 of the Fair Work Act sets out the circumstances where the Commission must make a protected action ballot order. So in terms of must make, that is is that like force they have to? Must make, absolutely. There is no discretion if the two specified requirements are met. So what are the two requirements that you just mentioned? So the first requirement is that the an application has been made under Section 437. So that's really making it with the Fair Work Commission? That's correct, and, and you know, that's the thing that brings the matter to the Commission in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the second requirement? So the second requirement is that the Commission does have to be satisfied that the applicant has been and is genuinely trying to reach an agreement with the employer. Uh, of the employees who are going to be balloted. So what does that mean in a practical sense? In a practical sense, it means that it's highly likely that an application for a PARBO will be successful. The bar for approval is not particularly high. So are there some circumstances where a PARBO um, can or should be opposed? If an application uh, is defective uh, and the requirements of Section 437 are not met, uh, and of course, if the applicant is or has not been genuinely trying to reach agreement, those would be grounds for, for opposing an application. So what about um, where where the applicant um, isn't trying to genuinely reach an agreement or any comments about that aspect? Yeah, look, I guess that's probably the one that people will be most curious about because uh, it's, it's tricky. Um, so there may be circumstances where we don't think the applicant is bargaining, bargaining effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, sometimes a bargaining representative may not come to bargaining uh, prepared. They may not be clear as to what their claims mean. They, they may not have prepared clauses that give effect to their claim. Uh, not always, um, but, but sometimes. Um, but even if we hold a view that a party is not bargaining well or is not bargaining effectively, it's not the same as saying that they have not or are not genuinely trying to reach agreement. Mm-hmm. So what does VHAA do when um, a PARBO is received for employers? First of all, we make an assessment, including whether or not there's a concern that the applicant hasn't genuinely tried to reach agreement. Uh, and because time is of the essence, we need to make a decision as to what best protects the interests of members. So what does that mean? Um, so the, the question becomes, do you oppose the PARBO? and risk having the order made as filed, or do you not oppose it, 
on the basis that there are amendments that are required to be made. Are there any other considerations that we look at? Of course. So for health services, um, state government industrial relations policy needs to be taken into consideration and close engagement with the department are required. The considerations are a little different though for standalone community health. So in terms of the amendments we might seek, what, what are they? Yes, a part where we must list the type of industrial action proposed, and it does so in the form of questions. Mm -hmm. And it's those questions that we review closely to consider whether there ought to be amendments that reflect uh, that these are healthcare employers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes PARBOs already have those considerations built in, but mm -hmm. sometimes they don't. So do you have any examples of those? I do. Um, so because we're talking about healthcare, we look at the questions from the perspective of a health, welfare uh, and safety perspective for the patients or, or clients. So if one type uh, of industrial action goes to, for example, not admitting a patient to treatment or the withdrawal of labour or not updating records, we would seek an amendment that has some kind of exception uh, that recognises uh, clinical need and clinical safety. Mm -hmm. So in terms of um, withdrawal of labour, sometimes the um, PARBOs have information about not completing administrative tasks. Yeah, so not everything is about withdrawing labour. Um, and, and in terms of administrative uh, duties, that's also an area that we always pay attention to. So, for example, um, it's not uncommon for a... Uh, type of industrial action where people don't complete certain uh, certain records for the purposes, say, of funding. Mm -hmm. um, but what we're looking for is to make sure that client records, uh, treatment records are preserved and kept up to date, uh, even in the face of other industrial action. And that makes complete sense. Um, what about health and safety? So if the proposed industrial action doesn't interact with health and safety considerations, uh, we'll request changes. Uh, those might be as simple as adhering to local safety requirements, uh, such as signing in or out. Mm -hmm. um, what about any other examples? So other examples uh, include cohorts who can be especially vulnerable. Uh, traditionally, that's included cancer patients, for example, uh, and, and children. So, for example, if one of the proposed actions concerns giving information to patients, we would seek that that action expressly exclude children. Mm -hmm. um, so what response do we get when we contact the unions? Uh, generally speaking, there is a good amount of cooperation. Uh, when we make contact, we outline our concerns and we make it clear that those, if those concerns can be resolved, that we have no objection to the PARBO being granted. So how does that usually happen? So uh, we will have a discussion with the applicant and seek to reach agreement uh, about the amendments. Uh, mm -hmm. Often there's a shared interest in having the kind of exceptions that we've talked about mm -hmm. uh, or providing the kind of clarification that we're seeking. The challenge for us is always in terms of time. There is very little time between receiving an application, consulting with members regarding concerns, setting out those concerns in writing, and then discussing and resolving those concerns with the relevant union. All that must happen within two days of the application being made. So is um, opposing the PARBO the same as opposing industri industrial action? So there's a really key distinction here. Uh, if we don't oppose a PARBO, it's not the same as saying that we support industrial action. It's a really critical point. After the PARBO occurs and the ballot is conducted, 
if protected industrial action is being engaged in or is threatened, uh, impending or probable, the Commission can then suspend or terminate the protected industrial action if it is satisfied that the action has threatened or is threatening or would threaten uh, to endanger the life, the personal safety or health or the welfare of the population or part of it. Uh, that's a provision from the Fair Work Act at Section 424. It's obviously incredibly relevant to our sector. So that is the granting of a protected action ballot doesn't mean that the industrial action can't be opposed, that is suspended or terminated if those issues might arise. So for the healthcare sector, that's really an important consideration. It is. So we consider the issue through that lens. Does the particular type of action threaten to endanger life, personal safety or health or welfare of the population or part of it? And we're thinking in particular of the impact uh, potentially on patients. Um, the Act also provides for applications based on economic impact, but our primary consideration where, uh, where industrial action is supported by employees and is going to be imposed is what impact will it have on health, welfare and safety? Um, but protected industrial action covers a broad range of range of activities, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that's a really important point. Um, so because it's such a broad spectrum of activities and because it's a broad spectrum, there's a broad range of impact, it's not a case of seeking to suspend or terminate any protected industrial action. The type of industrial action uh, could include something like the wearing of a campaign T-shirt or posters or campaign email signatures. Uh, that's at one end of that spectrum. Um, but at the other end, it can include the withdrawal of labour. So I guess the message is in deciding whether or not to seek a suspension or termination, it's just, you, you can't treat all industrial action as being the same. Mm -hmm. So really, if there's um, something that comes along and there would be a risk to health, safety or welfare, we would make an application to suspend or terminate that industrial action? So we, we are able to do that uh, and we would you know, consult carefully with stakeholders, but uh, also it's worth bearing in mind that that part of the Act, the Commission can make an order on its own initiative. Mm. Um, the relevant federal minister uh, can make an application, the state minister can make an application to suspend or terminate industrial action. So it's one of those interesting things where it's not necessarily confined to the parties to bargaining, uh, mm. but a broader consideration where other parties can effectively intervene. Has that actually happened before? It can happen and, and does happen occasionally, but uh, uh, it's an interesting thing to consider that it's not just about whether the parties choose uh, mm. to, to take issue with a particular type of industrial action if it's occurring, um, but that other parties can actually take issue and, and, and seek those orders. Mm. Um, so returning back to the um, PARBO, um, when is protected industrial action actually authorised? So in terms of that ballot that we talked about before, uh, it's all th the actions are authorised if the action was the subject of the ballot uh, and at least 50% of the employees on the roll of voters for the ballot voted in the ballot and more than 50% of the valid votes were approving of the action. And also um, there is a requirement that the action commences during the 30-day period that begins uh, once the ballot results are declared, so a use it or lose it, uh, although you can seek to extend that period uh, by application to the Commission. Yeah, so with the words that are on screen, there's an and between each of those texts. Does that mean that they all need to be satisfied? It does. So it's not just that one of those needs to be met, it's that those, you know, it, 
it needs to be the subject of the ballot. At least 50% of the employees on the roll need to vote and more than 50% of the valid votes uh, need to approve the particular action. So what um, else should employers be mindful of? Firstly, when parbos are granted, employees are going to hear from the Australian Electoral Commission. The AEC are going to want information about who is to be balloted. Mm-hmm. Um, so how much time do they give? Usually very little. And so what I'd suggest that if a parbo comes up, employers should be turning their mind to how to pull the information together quickly. We had an experience recently where a request for data was received after hours on one day mm-hmm. with a request to provide it by the close of business the next day. Mm-hmm. And in the context of a pandemic, that was something that was impractical. And VHAA had discussions with the AEC about amending that time frame, which they did. Mm-hmm. That, that makes sense. Um, what other things should members be aware of in regards to the PARBO? Where a PARBO is made, it's it's tempting to focus uh, solely about the possibility uh, of protected industrial action and not to think about what it means for bargaining. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean for bargaining? So one of the challenges for bargaining is that it may not have an end date. If protected action is looming, it may provide a natural time frame by which negotiations ought to be concluded. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how so? So depending on the circumstances, the industrial action may alter the dynamic of those negotiations. A party who made the PABO application will be uh, focused on what type of industrial action they want to take and when they want to take it. Our attention will be directed to those health, safety and welfare considerations we talked about before. Mm -hmm. Um, So negotiations still continue? They they do. Mm -hmm. No, no, negotiations can continue uh, even after a PABO is declared and and even after industrial action commences. But Mm -hmm. depending on the action, the attention of the parties may simply be elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the things bargained at that point are generally what is necessary to bring the action to an end. Uh, And those outcomes can cause problems for the parties later on. So how so? So outcomes agreed to end industrial action are about ending the action rather than the strategic goals of the parties. So there's a risk that they're not necessarily about shared interests of the parties at that point. Uh, Talk sometimes turns to what is considered saleable rather than what's considered sensible. So taking that into account, what what does VHAA do? The first thing is we take it it into account in terms of our scheduling. Uh, This might mean more frequent meetings. Uh, using the commission or an external facilitator, anything to ensure that the claims have been dealt with or the parties have identified their priorities and we're giving the negotiation process the best chance of succeeding. Mm-hmm. So are parbos inevitable when it comes to bargaining? No, look, a parbo won't be made every time. Uh, the parties may share a view that they're making good progress mm-hmm. and heading towards industrial action would be counterproductive. Uh, obviously, a pandemic uh, complicates those questions greatly. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you for that overview, Stuart. My pleasure, Emma. And uh, what better way uh, to end this discussion than with the energetic but slightly confusing sounds of Red People and their song, Parbo. Thank you, Emma. Thanks, Stuart. <laughs>